What the frontal and temporal lobes control are things like your personality, your ability to control your behavior, your language, your ability to control your emotions. And these are the things that are lost in FTD. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and an international presenter on how to respond to dementia behaviors. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. Yes, it is. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, no, you know I'd never forget the wine. (laughs) I appreciate that. So our show motto is dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. And one of the ways we do that is to educate people on the different types of dementia and those dementia behaviors. In past episodes, we've mentioned frontotemporal degeneration, or FTD as it's referred to. However, we have not talked in depth about it. FTD is most common dementia for those under 60, and I'm so glad that we have today's guest with us because so many people just think of Alzheimer's or dementia without having any idea of how many other dementias there are out there. Um, And today's guest is the CEO of the Association for Frontal Temporal Degeneration, or AFTD, She is a genetic counselor and brings more than three decades of experience facilitating communications among lay, scientific, and medical communities. During her tenure, AFTD has expanded programs to meet and advocate for the needs of FTD families and has invested in specific strategies to advance FTD research and drug development. She also serves on the advisory council for the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. We are pleased to welcome Susan Dickinson. Thank you, Susan. We are so fortunate to have you with us today to talk to us and our listeners about FTD and um, mention, you know, what it is, how it's identified, um, and how it's diagnosed. Well, it's a true pleasure to be here. I I appreciate the opportunity, Bobby and Mike. as I'm sure we'll get into, um, the lack of awareness, as you alluded to, that there are many different kinds of dementia um, that show up in different ways with different symptoms and at different ages actually, is something that most people aren't aware of. And that lack of awareness really um, adds to the pain and challenge that uh, families face when one of these diseases comes into their lives. I've actually heard people say, My doctor said my mom has Alzheimer's, but I think it's dementia. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and that's a bigger problem we have, especially in this country. Um, And actually, we're we're working with at the national level with with a number of other organizations and the government to kind of hopefully recalibrate the conversation so that everybody understands dementia is the umbrella term for cognitive challenges but it can be caused by different diseases. And Alzheimer's is certainly by far the most prevalent form of dementia. It's just not the only one. One of the things I was reading, um, looking at FTD, that um, a lot of times, correct me if I'm wrong, please, that it's associated with or a derivative of Pick's disease? 
So Pick's disease actually refers to one subtype of FTD. Okay. And it specifically um, refers to what the pathologist can see on the microscope when they look at um, roughly about 40% of, um, of, of FTD, again, under the microscope. So on autopsy, when you're looking inside those nerve cells of the brain, um, there's a, a protein that can form deposits and actually looks like clumps. It is clumps of protein that um, stain very darkly for the neuropathologist. And, and the person who first um, observed those back in 1870-something, I think, was Arnold Pick. And so they were, they were, they were named Pick Bodies for him. And um, they therefore labeled that disease Pick's disease. But you heard me say that you know, you have to be at autopsy in order to know that, right? Mm. So this has been one of the challenges that really all neurodegenerative diseases face is we, we can't see in the brain very well. Recently, we have significant, wonderful advances in imaging. But um, throughout history, the only way you could see what was happening in the brain wasn't until after the person had passed. And that's been a real challenge um, for understanding all of these diseases, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, FTD, ALS, um, and uh, the, the wonderful advances in technology in recent decades, uh, many of them stimulated by the, the, the brain initiative that uh, President Obama created about a, do a dozen years ago, um, is actually advancing the field dramatically at this point. So it's an exciting time. Um, we understand a lot more than we used to about these diseases. But we certainly have a, a long way to go still. Well, you just happened to mention ALS. And one of the issues with FTD is loss of movement. And ALS is losing the ability to move. Is there a correlation? Um, if it's all right, Mike, maybe if I back up a bit and just provide an overview of what FTD is, that's going to give your please, listeners please, a lot please. more context. But remind me to come back to that question. Um, so as I said before, there, there are many different forms of dementia. Certainly most of us are, are most familiar with Alzheimer's, which is primarily a memory disorder because the parts of the brain cells that are dying are in the hippocampus, which is the area of the brain that controls memory. Um, when we talk about FTD specifically, we're talking about a disease, a form of dementia that differs from Alzheimer's in three important ways. The first one is it's not a memory disorder. FTD starts in other parts of the brain, and the clue there is the name of FTD. It's frontotemporal degeneration. So um, the disease in FTD starts in the frontal lobe of the brain, which is kind of the part right behind your forehead, and the temporal lobes, which are on both sides, kind of over your ears. And um, what, what the frontal and temporal lobes control are things like your personality, your ability to control your behavior, your language, um, your ability to control your emotions. And these are the things that are lost in FTD. So this is why the symptoms of this disease can be very confusing. They're not clear. It's, um, you know, somebody might um, start making mistakes at work. Um, somebody would have trouble finding words. And this is different than the three of us already experience, <laughs> right? It's not the occasional, oh gosh, you know, what's that word I'm trying to think of? This is very sim symptomatic. Some people lose nouns 
Whereas if you said to me, um, we're going to call you next week to do our podcast, um, I would say, what's, what's the telephone? It means nothing to me. And, um, or, you know, you could say, how did you get to work today, Susan? And I could tell you, oh, it's, it's that big thing. It's metal. I drive it on the road. Um, it's got a steering wheel. It's got brakes. But if you said, oh, you mean a car, I would have lost that word. There would be no aha moment to me. Say, yeah, you're right. I meant car. These people have, have truly lost that word. In the um, caregiver support group that I lead here, I have um, caregivers for people with four different types of dementia. And one of the uh, caregivers that I work with, his wife has lost those nouns. She doesn't, she couldn't tell you what a shoe was or um, even a plate at times. Uh, it's it's very strange. And, it, and as I say, it's very specific. It's a very different experience than we all have when we occasionally forget a word. Other people, they they retain the nouns, but what they lose is all sense of grammar. So they lose the ability to put words together in a meaningful sense. So rather than saying, um, my dog is barking, I have to go open the door. They might say, dog, outside bark, right? They couldn't actually put the sequence together to, to create meaningful uh, conversation or communicate effectively. I, I, I laugh because that's, uh, that's the way I am trying to speak Italian. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there, there may be a similarity because you got to learn the rules, right? And kind of what, right. what, what gels yeah, right. the language. I sometimes hear people uh, who are caregivers with someone with dementia talk about word salad, where yes. The sentences don't come out in any particular order. And sometimes there's words in that sentence that don't belong there at all. Yeah. And they truly, um, some of them recognize, you know, what's coming out and that it doesn't make sense. And certainly the frustration that they feel is palpable and painful. Um, other people, you know, just don't understand you know, what they're not making sense about, like me right there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it can be behavior it can manifest initially as behavior, as changes in personality. Um, it can manifest as tremendous apathy, you know, somebody just not being able to get off the couch. Um, or you can have this language variant, or other people can start with movement, as you were alluding to before, Mike. What we know is that um, wherever it starts, this disease spreads over certain networks in the brain. And by the end of the journey, most people have symptoms from all three of those buckets, personality, behavior, language, and movement. And that's why they're considered a group of frontotemporal degener degeneration disorders that we talk about. When, when I'm seeing messages on the Facebook caregiver pages and people are confused about some of these behaviors and difficulty expressing you know, I, I always try to tell them that these are devastating brain diseases and the brain controls everything. And so you can see changes in language. You can even see changes in vision and hearing and emotions and behavior. The problem for us is if the, these are the diseases that you can't see, um, if our loved one had a raging fever or had shingles where you could see was on their body, we could understand if they were behaving in a way that wasn't normal for them. And it was one of the things that 
you know, I had difficulty with when I was caring for Mike's dad. He looked like he always had. Um, and sometimes he, well, these moments of clarity, he seemed perfectly fine. So I would get frustrated thinking, what's he trying to pull here? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, one of the strangest things, it's, it's not always consistent, right? Which is what you're describing. One, uh, somebody with FTD, you know, may do something one day, you know, go out to the mailbox, see their neighbor and say, that's the ugliest dress I've ever seen. Why are you wearing that? You know, the rest of us might think that, but we'd filter it, right? And what, what, <laughs> right, exactly. And one of the things these people lose is that social filter. And yet the next day, that person may be to say, able to say, I know I shouldn't have said that to her. Why did I say that? I don't know why it came out anyway. Yeah, it's, there's, there's, there's a lot we have yet to learn about these diseases. But again, to, to get back to the difference between FTD and Alzheimer's. So the first real difference is these are, these are very different symptoms, right? It's not as straightforward as I'm, I'm starting to forget things. Um, it's this strange constellation of, of, of changes that, um, that really don't make sense. And the second thing we know is that FTD, as you alluded to earlier, is the most common dementia for people under age 60. So most people are in their 40s and 50s when they start to develop these strange symptoms. And that's not an age when, you know, if you go to your doctor, doctors are not used to thinking, wow, I should, I should worry about is this a form of dementia, right? We're used to thinking of that as, as a disease of the elderly. And then the third really defining thing about FTD is it's rare. We don't actually know how many people in this country have FTD, but the best estimates right now are somewhere between 50 and 60,000. And I would say based on some of those, those behaviors and symptoms that you're showing, they're being misdiagnosed as other forms of dementia. Absolutely. Or not even dementia, Bobby. We know a lot of our people get lost to different um, psych diagnoses. So it could be misdiagnosis of Alzheimer's. It could be Parkinson's if you have some, uh, some movement symptoms. Um, often it's uh, depression or bipolar disease. Um, we know that a lot of our people run into legal issues, right? So if this is somebody whose judgment is impaired, um, a lot of people shoplift. They see something they want. They've lost that filter of appropriate behavior. So I'm in you know, the 7-Eleven and I want a candy bar, I'm going to pick it up and take it because I've just lost a lot of the social context of what's appropriate in our, in our society. And think about it. If, if, if that happened and I was 90, you know, the clerk's going to say, wow, you know, who's in charge of this woman? You know, things aren't good here. If that happens and I'm 50, they're going to call the police. Yeah. That again, sounds very much like the wife of one of the people I might he has to be very careful when she's in the grocery store because she will she she loves sweets. Um, she'll open packages of cookies and donuts and you name it. She goes for it um, and will fill her pockets. Yeah, and again, we know that one of those one of those filters that's lost. There's a real for some reason. There's a real um, craving for carbohydrates for sugar. And so we know a lot of people with the frontal variants do ha exactly what you're describing, those behaviors, and they gain a lot of weight. And obviously yeah. that can lead to other, you know, health issues. Yes, yeah, she's gained a lot of weight. So this is FTD week, okay? Is the association uh, for FTD, are they doing anything special or there's any 
type of things going on that people that are dealing with either caregivers or the people uh, with FTD that they can tap into? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked. I appreciate that, Mike. So um, September 26th through October 3rd is uh, World Awareness Week for FTD. And we have partnered with other organizations uh, like ours, from, but from around the world, uh, to create um, kind of a coalition, which we call ourselves World FTD United. Um, if you think about how rare this disease is, right, we need to, to, to join forces to spread awareness is, is fundamental to so much of what we want to accomplish for our community. So this year for World FTD Awareness Week, uh, we've created something called the Global Conversation on FTD. And we've invited people from around the world to record a, a brief video and talking about how FTDs affected their lives and, and what gives them hope for the future. Um, I'm pleased to say we've, we've collected videos um, from people who themselves have this diagnosis, certainly from their family members uh, and care partners, but also from health professionals that work with our community, both to improve diagnosis and to improve appropriate care for FTD patients. So we've stitched um, all these videos together into what we're calling a global conversation on FTD. And we will be um, live streaming it several times throughout that week. Um, obviously around the world, we're dealing with 24 different time zones. Um, so there's, there, there'll be many opportunities to, to listen to that. And people can go to our website, um, theaftd.org to find the link. Um, and that should be, uh, that should be nice to, it's again, the isolation is one of the defining things about this disease and anything that can bring people closer and feeling, understanding that there is a community of people who have had the common experience and may have advice on, on management strategies. Um, if nothing else, it, it helps you feel less alone. Yes, and we, we definitely want them to let, let them know they're not alone. Now, coincidentally, I had, I had just been reaching out um, to uh, Dr. Uh, Anike from John Hopkins University, who's doing research on FTD. Yes. Um, I became aware of his, I saw a presentation title called, It's Not Alzheimer's. And so I reached out to him and we're looking forward to having him talk about research um, and um, other types of dementia as well. I saw you shake your head, yes, you're aware of him. Dr. Anyake, he's he's a he's a good friend. He's uh, been a wonderful champion um, for our community, and he does very important work um, for to advance our understanding of FTD and our ability to hopefully develop the first treatments. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm glad you'll be able to to talk to him. He's a he's a wonderful resource. So to to circle back, you had mentioned about that it's usually. FTD is usually misdiagnosed and drugs are administered for the misdiagnosis. How does that impact? Does it? Can it? How severe do those drugs for, say, Parkinson's impact the FTD? Right. So it's, it's a very on-point question, Mike. And um, again, well, <laughs> until a couple months ago, there were... There were no drugs approved 
to actually address the disease of any of these brain degenerative brain diseases we've been talking about. There was one just approved for Alzheimer's at the beginning of this summer. But um, other than that, other than Adjuhelm, the only drugs that are approved by the FDA for any of these uh, neurodegenerative conditions are actually just symptomatic, so to treat the symptoms. Right. So when our people are misdiagnosed with any of these conditions, um, on the one hand, you know, if it's based on a symptom, you know, maybe that's the best a doctor could provide. And indeed, when people get this accurate diagnosis of FTD, the clinician is left really listening to the family and the person. What are the most troublesome symptoms that really in interrupting your daily life, your ability to have quality of life? And their only recourse right now is to um, prescribe one of these it's something to address the symptom that is approved for another disease. So that's not always a bad thing. But as you say, some of the um, drugs specifically used for Alzheimer's can actually exacerbate a lot of the troublesome behavior symptoms for FTD. So the misdiagnosis is actually dangerous for our community. And it's one of the reasons this is one of our main, um, one of the main things we're trying to, to advance is accurate diagnosis. On average, it takes people over three years to get an accurate diagnosis of FTD. And the thing that disturbs me most about that is that's the period of time for people who have persevered and arrived at this diagnosis and gotten to my organization so that we know them. When you think about how many more people in the world there must be who either don't go to a doctor at all because think about it. So my spouse spent the kid's college fund on uh, you know, a sports car. <laughs> you get really angry about that. You might go to a financial advisor. You might go to a marital counselor. A neurologist is not the first professional you think of to solve that problem for you. So right. some people never even occur to them to go to the doctor that the problem is medical. Others would take the first doctor's diagnosis because they're the expert, right? It takes a care partner who is so dedicated and feels empowered to go from one doctor to another to another, every time saying, you know what, I really, that just doesn't sound like it, or you're not listening to me, you know, whatever, we hear different variations on that, on that conversation. Um, so this is another reason why I say, you know, the best estimate is 50 to 60,000 people in the U.S., but I also say we really have no idea because until we actually have a diagnostic test and clinicians educated so they know when to use it, um, we are not going to have an accurate count of how many people in the U.S. have FTD. Are there clinical trials going on right now uh, for FTD? There are, and it's actually... Um, when I was saying this is a very exciting time, it's one of the things that gives us all a lot of a lot of hope. Um, there are four or five trials going on right now. Um, all of them happen to be for um, people with a genetic variant of FTD, because if you have a genetic mutation, which is only about twenty percent of the whole pop of the whole FTD um, cohort, but if you are in that twenty percent, then we, we know unequivocally what form of FTD you have, what's going on, what, what protein is, is creating your brain cells to die. And so that's, that's the basic rationale for these um, clinical trials. They are, each of them is around a drug that targets a specific protein. And 
They will be effective for people without the genetic variant as soon as we can tell those people which protein has gone wrong and is causing their disease. It's just right now, it's only the people with a mutation where we, we fully understand why they have FTD. Now, I am seeing more and more people hopping on these caregiver sites and you know talking to them um, when I'm doing presentations uh, and finding more and more younger onset dementias. And you shared with us that you know, it's common for it to begin between 45 and 64. Are we seeing more undiagnosed FTD? Or is there another reason that we are seeing more and more people at the younger age being diagnosed? You know, Bobby, it's a good question. And, and I don't know that anybody could know for sure. Um, my educated guess would be it's an awareness issue. Um, I said before, you know, there, there aren't many clinicians who, if you went to them at age 50 and, you know, described some of these symptoms um, who would, you know, even eventually get around to, wow, maybe it's, maybe it's a degenerative brain disease. Um, hopefully um, the efforts of our group and others like us are starting to, you know, have some impact where um, both the professionals and the population at large just expands their understanding of what um, what degenerative brain diseases, what dementia can look like, and that um, you know it's something to have in the back of in the back of your own brain um, as a possibility when when they're seeing somebody and evaluating the symptoms uh, that they hear from. The other problem with our people is the standard thing any physician or neurologist would do to evaluate someone for dementia is give them a memory test. And somebody yeah. with FTD hits those out of the park. So again, this is part of the sequential misdiagnosis. Even the clinician who says, wow, maybe we're dealing with a dementia. Here's the standard, you know, short test is the first screen. A person with FTD would, you know, score 90 or 100. And they'd say, okay, we can cross dementia off the list and go on to, to something else. Here I was feeling so proud every time I every year when my doctor gives me that memory test. Thinking, <laughs> well, I'm, your memory's I'm, great. I'm good. That, that is a good thing. I, it's just you know you can't use it to rule out completely yeah. you know different diseases. Uh, and, uh, and and that's good to know because because I see comments like that too. How can they go into the doctor's office and pass this quick test, which like any other short diagnostic test, really never gives the whole picture. But I'm proud to draw my clock and, and remember yes. my words. And <laughs> well, and to be fair, they're, they're very effective screening tests for Alzheimer's or for a memory disorder. They suit their purpose just fine. Again, it's just you come back to the fact that not all dementias are memory disorders. So you need to be aware of that and understand what you've ruled out on, that, on those screening tests and, and what you haven't ruled out. One of the things that we ran into dealing with Mike's dad was he had Lewy body mm -hmm. dementia. And it was almost inevitable that the me medications that he was given for any of his um, medical issues, any side effects we were told to expect, he reacted exactly the opposite. Not very helpful. <laughs> I will say that what we've, one thing we've discovered um, is while we're searching for appropriate treatments. And one thing AFTD is doing is giving a lot of funding to different areas of research 
um, testing drugs that have been approved for other indications or starting from scratch with what we know about the cause of FTD is and designing hopefully drugs that can, you know, interrupt that biological process. Um, what we know is the fact of a community coming together is tremendously important, not just in decreasing that isolation, but also in sharing management strategies. You know, we have a network of support groups across the country, about a hundred of them. And as you guys well know, the people, the, the experienced caregivers and care partners are the experts on day-to-day -day management of any form of dementia. And the ability to sit in that room or be on that Zoom call these days um, with people who are ahead of you on this journey or who have walked the path before is incredibly valuable. And I really, um, I, I tip my hat to both of you and to anybody who runs those groups or participates in those groups. I know a lot of people tell me it's, it's one way to give back or to, to feel that they derive something valuable out of a very painful journey. Um, but it's, it's really the foundation of building a community like this. So it's just incredibly important. We're going to make sure that we have links to your to your website so people can find out information about FTD. Um, and do you happen to have on that website a resource for people who are looking for an FTD caregiver support? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. All of our support groups, um, some of them are young onset and some of them are specific. Most of them are specifically FTD. But again, you can hopefully, the idea is that you can find a group of people on a similar path, facing similar challenges um, and be able to share and, uh, and again, get some, some good tips and advice. And like I said, my, my particular group, which I've led for about six years now, has four different types of dementia in that group, so. Susan, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and our listeners. I'm sure they got a lot out of it. Um, I know I did. I always do. So, and the more we learn, the more we can turn around and put information out. It's not about who knows more about what. It's about people getting information that they need. And again, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Bobby. And thank I wish you. your listeners the best. Thank you. Thank you. I certainly hope that more and more people will listen to what Susan says about um, keep going back to the doctors until you find the answer. Right. Um, we all know that doctors are busy. We all know that doctors have certain interests and certain specialties. So none of them have all the answers for every disease. Right. And it's easy for, for them, I guess, as well as us to think, okay, we're seeing these behaviors. It's a dementia. Must be Alzheimer's. Right. And it's not. Right. And don't settle for the first diagnosis. Um, always investigate, investigate. And what I found interesting also was that her comment that they lose their social filter is one of the, one of the signs. I don't and, think your dad ever had one. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. And sometimes I tell people that the batteries are low in my filter, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But and also 
a memory test doesn't work, to quote Susan. They hit it out of the park. Yeah. But also remind people that this is, in fact, World FTD Awareness Week, and that her website is the, T-H-E-A-F-T-D, dot org, and that there's many, many resources on that website. Well, today has definitely been informative for us and hopefully for our listeners as well. And we want people who are in the FTD world to know that we are here as a resource for them. You can find more information about Susan and FTD on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show. Go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.